Greetings, everyone. This is Devon Carson with the Second Chance Leadership Podcast. I would like to thank you for tuning in today. I would like for everyone to sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. And remember, Leadership Nation, we take risks, we embrace failure. Getting it wrong is okay as long as you get your hands dirty, you learn, and reflect. Let's enjoy the podcast. doing today, Second Chance Leadership Nation. This is Devon Carson coming to you live with my soon-to-be brother, Dr. Eric Hart. It is in the works, and it's going to happen, so we're going to go ahead and name it and claim that thing, my friend. How are you, sir, Mr. Hart? Talk to me. I'm doing well, Devon. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and get our podcast kicked off. If uh, Mr. Hart, if you could go ahead and Give me a little background information and share with Leadership Nation who you are. All right, all right. Well, um, I'll just start by saying that my name is Eric Hart. I'm currently the Associate Athletic Director um, at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University and also Executive Director of Major Gifts. Um, got about a 14-year work history in athletics, um, but I also spent a little bit of time in, in, in academia and um the the majority of my time has been in higher education. I'm a father and a husband. I've got two little boys and a, a, a wife who is also at North Carolina A&T, who is Associate Vice Provost of Enrollment. So this education thing is a family affair. Awesome, awesome, yes. Uh, I should point out that, uh, once again, thank you. Uh, I know you just had another brand-new bundle of joy probably less than uh, three weeks ago, right? So That's correct, three weeks on this Wednesday. So congratulations, congratulations. When you blow up, your family just grows uh, exponentially. So uh, that is good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Eric, talk to me about what is your favorite leadership quote, and how do you apply this to your life? So I know you're a fan of Les Brown, and uh, one of the most famous ones that he uh, is getting credit for, most people fell in life not because they aim too high and miss, but because they aim too low and hit. And that's one of the one of the most powerful quotes that uh, that I look at because in leadership sometimes you think about um, being successful, being productive, but at the end of the day, sometimes when you measure some of the things you've done, uh, it, it could be possible that you've been successful because your goals are too low or your trajectory is too low. And so with the things that I've uh, tried to do and the people I surround myself with and and just uh, experiences that I've had. Uh, it's really um, challenged me to consider always raising the bar. And, and so I apply it. Um, my wife and I would kind of laugh because I always say, um, hey, babe, I met my goals and objectives for today, and she knows exactly what that means. Anything I put before myself, I'm trying to meet and I'm trying to exceed, and I and I believe so much into in, in that quote. Awesome, awesome. That is the first value bomb of the night. Most people, make sure I get it right now, so correct me if I get it wrong, it's not because you uh, set your goals too high 
and you miss is because you set your goals too low and you hit. Uh, right. Was that was that right, Les Brown? So Les and Brown. and I would totally agree with that statement. A lot of times it's because of fear. Uh, here in in our society today, we have to set the bar so that we can be successful. You know what? Here at Leadership Nation, we always say. Even when you fail, you learn. So that's okay. It's okay if you don't always hit success as long as you take what? Something away from the lesson. So thank you for for sharing that with us. We truly appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to me now. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Tell me about a challenge or obstacle uh, that you had. In your mind, what is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? Well, in the area of leadership, uh, Devon, you know, I thought about this question because, um, you know, there have been you, – sometimes you layer your challenges and it's like, was this, a, this is personal and, and was this something I couldn't get over? Was this professional? Is this something that's going to hinder me from my next, you know, set of challenges in life? Is it, you know, social? You just kind of qualify a lot of life events. But there's one in particular – that I, I still am growing for, and I needed it. Um, so back in 2012, I had an opportunity to serve as the interim athletic director at an institution. And, um, you know, the, you you work in your career and you plan for, you know, opportunities. And when this came to me, you know, I thought that I was ready and was meeting challenges and expectations and meeting with coaches and, and leading, but also managing, not rocking the boat. Um, but then, um, you know, it, it, it happened where uh, I didn't get the chance to become the permanent. And uh, it's real easy sometimes when you don't get the uh, permanent spot for a job that you have and think that, you know, you've uh, worked hard for and you can, you know, kind of get hard on yourself. But um, it was actually one of the uh, highlights, uh, very pivotal points of my career, not getting that, that opportunity to continue to serve. And I'll expound on that a little bit more, but that was probably to date the the biggest challenge is not not getting that permanent athletic director position. Yeah, so I think you bring us to a good point. I think a lot of times what cripple us a lot is is our self confidence. You had a, a position in which you've spent 14 years of your whole career, your whole professional career, building up for this magical moment. And then it didn't happen. How how did you overcome that? What 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 did you have to do? How did you gather yourself back up and kind of and kind of uh, get you back on the right track? Well, my reality was that um, number one, uh, I was fortunate that the institution that I had worked at the time uh, allowed me to uh, resume a previous role that I had. Um, so in that interim period of being able to serve, I was able to go back into uh, the capacity for which I, you know, started at that institution. So so that was one of the things that was um, uh, a value to the experiences that, in some cases, interims, whether they're coaches or athletic directors or, or interim in, in, in all facets of business, uh, don't get that permanent position, uh, oftentimes you're terminated from that um, institution or that team or, or that business. So I was fortunate that um, because of the, um, you know, skill set, the leadership that I provided, the things that we'd been doing prior to that, um, that the the college thought enough of me to allow me to continue um, providing uh, leadership in the area that I was in. 
but but to your question, um, I, I think I overcame it because I had to reflect uh, on what had happened, look at it for what it was. It wasn't the end of the world. It always gave me a chance to do better. I said something to my wife uh, during the process. I said, now it's time for me to step outside of myself, look at my face before someone else sees me so that I know that I can reset and present my best self to the people that are looking at me. Because I knew that there were going to be people on campus that would say, oh, man, I think you should have got that job, or, man, I wish you would have been the athletic director. But there would have been some that also probably behind the scenes would have said, well, he's not ready, or I'm glad it wasn't him. But despite or regardless of whichever the um, persons with those types of opinions, I needed to make sure that I presented my best uh, self in front of the people at work so that I didn't look like what would be uh, a sore loser. Love it, love it. Yes, it's so critical to always make sure you present your best self. Uh, you, you are. I, I heard this lady this one this weekend bring up the fact that you are on the clock from the moment you walk out of your front door to the moment you return home. And so, regardless if you're in the line at a restaurant or Starbucks and it's so long and and they're moving slow. You can't get frustrated because people will see you, and they may take that as an opportunity to make some type of value statement or value judgment as to who you are or who you may not be. So I think that is yeah. great advice is to always be aware of yeah, your persona. That's correct. And, and, and also, Devon, it, it, with that, you know, you could present yourself in a way that validates what people thought in the first place and, and pretty much um, – restates why they didn't give you the the opportunity in the first place and so wow. that's why it was really important for me to step back you know take a I, I did uh, you know selfishly I took a, a two-week break and got a chance to you know reflect and, and recollect myself and and um, and not give an inch to uh, perceptions that would, would have validated the reason why the uh, institution went in another direction in the first place yeah awesome awesome uh, speak very highly of you and how mature you are about being able to handle that situation so professionally. Talk to me about your light bulb moment. What was that moment, uh, and what were the events that led to that moment? Well, um, you know, for me, again, looking at things that have happened in my life, um, so I had had, um, had an opportunity that you're, you're aware of, um, being able to go to the University of Tennessee and pursue uh, my EDS, and 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 to tell uh, Second Chance Leadership, I'm saying thank you publicly. I know I've said that before, but I want your audience to know how sincere I feel about that opportunity that you provided with meeting those professors in California that time. Um, <laughs> but when I had that chance to go to Tennessee and and pursue my um, EDS, um, there was a time when you know I flirted with the, the idea of uh, continuing on and and picking up my doctorate. Well, 15 years passed, and and my work experience has taken me here and there. And um, I had a friend of mine who uh, also worked at the University of Tennessee at the time, had just received his um, his uh, diploma in the mail, uh, signifying the finishing of his doctorate. And he sent a uh, link on Facebook to, to several people, and I was one of his Facebook friends. But he private messaged me, and he said, hey, he called me E., he said, E, uh, look, man, it's time for you to get your doctorate. No playing around. Um, get it done. And, 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 and I could hear the sincerity in his private message because he knew 
that I had pursued um, the doctorate um, for at another institution. I had found reasons why I needed to drop out of the program before I even started. Um, you know, new job, new child at the time. So I just, you know, I let a lot of self doubt creep in. But this particular time, when you talk about the light bulb moment, when he sent me that information in June uh, a couple of years ago, I didn't let time go by. I immediately called a couple of my schools to get my um, my um, transcripts. I called the testing service in the city that I live in, and I said, you know, when is the next time I can take the GRE? They said, well, you don't really need an appointment. You can take it whenever. So I scheduled it for the next day. Awesome. Um, I talked to the, the department chair at the institution that I'm in now, and I said, you know, I know that I have pretty much less than two months to get accepted, but please consider me for this program. So when I was writing my accept my uh, interest letter and gathering all the documents, um, you know, I, I, the light bulb for me was like, I'm going to do this, and I can do this. And, um, you know, so you know, two two years in, and I'm doing it. And that, that's been my light bulb moment that I, I'm not going to ever allow self-doubt creep into the point where something as important as finishing a terminal degree will cast a fear that will prevent me from getting it done. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, one thing that I would like to point out, the story that you touched on earlier, was that you should always take risk and you should always bet on yourself. Um, I think I heard a statistic that less than 5% of people invest in their professional learning. And when you and I went to California, we were two broke college students who probably didn't have two nickels between the both of us. But somehow, some way, we made it uh, important enough where we were uh, focused on our professional learning and we were going to figure out a way to uh, to get out there and to get us some exposure to the professional arena. And then uh, we managed to get connected with some people as well. So uh, Leadership Nation, always bet on yourself and always look for ways to increase your capacity. Uh, and this is something that we should do quarterly or monthly. We should figure out ways, even if it's just going to the University of the People and getting a, a, a library book, uh, do it. Figure out a way to invest in yourself and to grow yourself. Don't wait for other people to grow you, but you and grow yourself when it comes to your professional arena. That's right. That's right. I will agree with that. And and let me say this as a sidebar to that uh, chance encounter in San Diego, which led to the opportunity in Knoxville. Um, I was actually, uh, probably unbeknown to you, uh, uh, kind of on my last leg with the state that I was living in, in terms of uh, coming back to school to teach. And so when I made that decision to forego teaching and go to Tennessee, uh, I got a letter to say, okay, well, you know, we always be a fan of your pursuit of higher education, but you're going to pay us back. Sure, right. So I did take a, a chance and take a risk, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that was something that I'd say, you know, having paid that. Um, well, let me say it this way: having made that investment, um, I don't think that's something that um, that I would have said was a bad decision. It actually worked itself out, and so I appreciate the investment, but appreciate the time that we took that risk, and you know, I, I certainly appreciate all of the steps that were part of that to get to where we are now. Awesome, awesome. You have to take risk. You have to take risk. As far as your current um, organization, uh, what is one thing 
that is really exciting to you about your leadership? So I'm a development officer. When you break down titles and get down to the specifics of what I do, I raise money for the uh, institution, uh, particularly the athletic department. And this one area of my professional growth that I never thought I'd see myself doing, but I am so excited about having the opportunity to be a fundraiser because the money that we raise uh, has immediate impact on the lives of our student-athletes. And there's nothing better to be able to translate to a prospective donor the resources that they give in support of athletics has tangible benefit for our, our young people. And and while they're um, insanely talented on the, on the field and in, in their respective sports, these are young people who are um, – preparing themselves academically to to change the world. And they are, um, as I'm getting to know um, the current students at, at North Carolina A&T in comparison to students that have had a chance to interact with, uh, no different than the, the ongoing pursuit for lifelong learning. And so it makes my job um, uh, that much more special to know that it's not just about making a, a transactional exchange and making a gift to the university. Uh, it's about transformational change and being able to change the lives of young people one gift at a time. So that's something that really excites me. Like I said, I never thought that I'd be a fundraiser, professional fundraiser at that. And, um, you know, I always thought that somebody else who had that experience and, and did those things and, you know, um, but 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 selfishly in pursuit of being an athletic director and all the naysayers say you have to have some form of fundraising experience. Um, I don't know if I became a fundraiser particularly because I wanted to become an athletic director more so than I wanted to challenge myself, as you say to uh, second chance leadership, take that risk in an area that was unfamiliar to me. But the payoff has been more than I could ever had imagined. Awesome, awesome. So. The soon-to-be Dr. Hart. Are you ready for the speed round? I'm ready for the speed round, Devon Carson. Give it to me. All right, all right. What was holding you back from becoming a world-class leader? Fear. What is the best leadership advice that you have ever received? So I'm giving a shout-out to my man, Peter Roby, who is athletic director uh, at Northeastern in Boston, And uh, in this leadership institute that I attended with the NCAA, on day one, he told us, and I quote, you make your hay with the people. And hay meant money. And he said, we're all going to go out and do great things and do some wonderful uh, things with student athletes and with institutions of higher learning. But you make your money with the people. And uh, the way you treat people in the relationship building that we do in the customer-driven world that we live in, that's how you're really going to – ascend to higher heights is how you treat people. So I never forget that word um, that Peter Roby gave the students back in the day, and it's something that I uh, put into what I do now. That wasn't as speedy as it should have been, but I just wanted to make sure I gave proper credit to Peter Roby. No, and and that's okay because that's an area that we need to kind of park on and sometimes really think about it. Um, we have to invest in relationships. Relationships are the only thing that we have at the end of the day, and we are put here to serve. Bottom line, bottom line. And as leaders, the sooner we learn that relationship, I think the better off uh, we become and the further we can we can progress our organization as well. So, uh, all right, I'm breaking my own rules here. 
Uh, <laughs> what um, do you have an internet resource like Dropbox that you would love to share with our listeners? So I, I must admit that I, at first I was like, I don't think I have anything. I don't use anything, you know, other than stuff that are assigned to class. But I do use the resource GroupMe, and I'm sure many of your listeners know about the GroupMe app. Um, my classmates and I, we, we live and die off of this GroupMe app because not only is it a way for us to uh, communicate with each other about our assignments, but it also has been, since we have such a, a, a tight-knit cohort, uh, we've been able to encourage each other uh, on those times when, although we haven't seen each other but one time uh, in our international trip, it gives us a chance to stay connected. And so the GroupMe app uh, is more than just an academic tool. It's a relationship-building uh, tool that we invest in so that we can really get to know each other's cohort classmates. Awesome. You heard again, Leadership Nation, relationships. What leadership book would you recommend to Second Chance Nation? Okay, so I've got a bunch of books that I can recommend, but you only asked for one. So John Gordon and Mike Smith. Mike Smith used to be a head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, got together and wrote a book called You Win in the Locker Room First, The Seven C's to Building a Winning Team in Business, focusing in on culture, contagious, consistent, communicate, connect, commitment, and care. Second uh, Chance Leadership, this is the book to buy. Uh, you win in the locker room first, seven C's to building a winning team in business. Got a lot of uh, uh, tidbits that feel that it's very athletic and, and, and kind of sporty, but it's something that can uh, trans transfer to any area of business. Go, go buy that book. Awesome, awesome. You win in the locker room first. Love it, love it. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand-new world, which was identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all of the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is your laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days, Brother Eric? All right, so I'm a man of faith, so, you know, $50 got to come out to my Lord and Savior, so I'm tithing first. I'm investing $250, even though it's a new world and I'm, it's unfamiliar to me, I'm still going to drop some money back to invest in something. Uh, I'm going to take $100 and buy me a suit and some comfortable shoes because I'm going to do a lot of walking and greeting and meeting people. As we say in the development world, I'll be gripping and grinning because there's a lot of people to meet out there. You never right. know where the next break will be. And I'm going to save $100 because it's a rainy day fund and uh, give a shameless plug to Dave Ramsey, but it's all about saving that money for that rainy day. Awesome, awesome. I love it. First, you got to pay your father, your heavenly father. So, hey, I love that. Well, Mr. Eric Hart, soon to be Dr. Hart, I want to say thank you very much for your time, your energy. Um, I am so excited. Um, I was sitting here thinking right before the call, I was like, we've been walking oh, in lockstep since 1997. So, um, so I, no, no, excuse me, excuse me, 1994, probably. Um, so, so I, I am so proud to call you my brother from another mother and you give my love to, uh, the lovely and talented Miss Aaron and your lovely mom and pops as well. And, um, I, I appreciate you and I look forward to when you finish this terminal degree. Thank you, Devon. I appreciate you having me, and uh, thank you for all all of the opportunities that you've given me in my life. 
and uh, best of luck to you with Second Chance Leadership. I'm a fan. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Greetings, Leadership Nation. This is your boy, Devon Carson. I want to say thank you very much for tuning in to this latest episode. We hope that you all enjoyed it. I do have a small ask in favor of you. Please make sure you subscribe to Second Chance Leadership Podcast. We want to make sure that every Thursday you get the latest and the greatest episode. Also, we would ask that you would leave a comment and also leave a rating of five stars. Once again, your comment is invaluable to us. We want to make sure that we continue to improve the show and make sure that we are meeting all of your leadership needs. Until next time, Leadership Nation, be easy. Thank you.